Brooke Wendell was already choreographing and dancing professionally as a teenager before she moved to New York City from Texas and landed her first job after only one week. Since then, it's been Brooke's motto to keep saying yes to every opportunity, from joining the world-famous Radio City Rockettes, to performing on Broadway, to directing tours for Adam Lambert, and spending four seasons as the supervising choreographer of the television show America's Got Talent. Brooke does it all with a fearlessness and passion that she credits as integral to her success. I'm Nick Kepley, and this is In Step. Join me today for a conversation with director, choreographer, and all-around superstar, Brooke Wendell. Brooke, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you, Nick, so much. Yeah. Um, the first question that I always like to start with on this program is how did dance find its way into your life? Wow. Um, dance found its way into my life through a family member. My older cousin, who's three and a half years older than me, was already dancing. And we went to her recital, and my mom said that I was crying when it was over and would not leave and through a fit until she promised to enroll me the next year and that was like three years old Wow! and it was a bug that dug in and it never left me and you grew up in uh in a really small town in southeast texas it's called port arthur texas okay had anyone in your else in your family ever been an artist of any kind my grandfather played drums um my mother painted and makes furniture and clothes and costumes and so she's really really creative and did you grow up um kind of doing competition dance or what style were you first into ballet first and then um tap and jazz and gymnastics and hip-hop but I started we moved to Dallas when I was like 10 years old and I was introduced by my teacher Katie Carter who went to SMU to Graham and Horton, um, which was the foundation really of my training. I feel like I'm so grateful that she had a start with Graham and Horton at 10 years old to really know where your pelvis is, (laughs) (laughs) which has helped me a lot in my dance career and also in my choreographic career for Mm. sure as a foundation. Did you like it at that age? That's a pretty intense technique. I did. I did. Um, I was paired. I was always really tall, so I was paired with a lot of older girls, about three to five years older than me. So I just wanted to get in there and get the contraction right and spiral right and Mm -hmm. figure it out, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And then did you go to college for dance? I didn't. I didn't. I started choreographing around 16. Oh, wow. I was traveling with a dance convention as an assistant, but then I had a woman who wanted to open a studio in Dallas and had the money, and she, myself, and a couple of other people who have had some nice choreography um, journeys in their life, we all were very young at 19, and we started and opened the studio, so all I did was train younger students and choreograph, and I did that for about a year, and then I got an opportunity to choreograph for like the NBA team in Dallas and that was like my first choreography gig so that was before I had even given my professional dance career a chance so wow. I kind of did that first I was always doing that mm. from you know from when I could remember 
and then moved into a professional career in New York as a dancer. So it was kind of always the plan and always happening. Wow. Did, um, how did New York come into your life? Uh, I met Michelle Asoff. I had come here to take class uh, for, the, uh, for a summer. And I met her. I took her class. And she was like, hey, I'm doing Carmen at the Houston Grand Opera. You should come to the audition. You know, I'd love to work with you. I was like, that's so awesome. Thank you. I drove there. I took her up. For on her offer and I auditioned and um, met my best friend at that time, uh, a man who, Ron Todorowski, who's also been a part of the BDL family. Yeah. We were partnered together and we became fast friends and three months later I moved to New York um, and we were roommates. It was just kind of like really quick and happened. I knew I wanted it to happen but I needed that little push and having people like Michelle and you know, that would, that gave me an opportunity and saw something in me and vocalized that. That's what I try to do for younger folks now yeah. to give that back. You right. know what I mean? And how old were you when you moved to the city? Uh, 22. Okay. Yeah. And had you, like, did you, did you start auditioning as soon as you got here? Yeah, or? I did. The first week, um, I think I met Wayne Salento like the first week I moved here wow. and got a gig with this sounds like it's really easy it's not easy <laughs> um uh, they were doing a bunch of industrials back then and they were equity and I met him and saw at the audition I stood outside like a movie we stood outside in the summer heat in August all the way down the block I believe it was at where the lyric is that rehearsal space mm, there mm -hmm. on 43rd and waited and waited and got down to the end and ended up getting the job. So that was like the first week I was here. Wow. Yeah, I do not take that for granted <laughs> at all. And I've had definitely points of, you know, frustration and not working and all of that. But the, 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 the spark that got me to New York on this journey was quite bright and and fast. Yeah. Does that wow. make sense? Yeah, totally. Um, and then, so did you, did that make you uh, turn equity being part of that? It did. Okay. Yeah, and then, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then what was your, was your first show on Broadway, Aida? It was. And so how quickly did that come? I did Rockettes, oh, Rockettes right after yeah. that. And yeah, talk about being in a Radio City Rockette. Oh my gosh, I mean, I was just a mess. I went in there with my hair down and like, I had on like sweats and I was not even, they were like, come here. They brought me to the table. Come back tomorrow with the leotard. I don't, we think you're too tall for the ensemble. We want to see you for the Rockettes. I was like, awesome, thanks came back with my ballet tights over my ballet leotard, like very modern. <laughs> uh -huh. I was like, really thought I nailed it. They were like, come here, behind the table, like go down to Capizio, walk down the street, get a, a higher cut leotard, put t tan tights underneath. Like I was just giving like modern dance. And so they got me together really quickly. And what I love about that experience is that I learned how to swing a show. I learned where you are in space, I mean, to do that show is like you're so hyper aware of everything that's going on. It's mm -hmm. not an individual performance at all. And I'm I'm really grateful for that time and what it taught me. And was that the Christmas after you had moved here when you did yeah, that? Yeah, wow. it was. Okay. Yeah. And then um, when did Aida happen? Aida happened after I went on a national tour of Copacabana and a national tour of uh, a show called Spirit. And I, so I did two tours. And then later on, so that had been like I had been in New York four years, and then Aida happened after, I think, a little, 10 auditions. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's the part that I feel like a lot of people don't know about is is how long it can take, like Keep how many callbacks. Back. Keep going back. Because had you gone through sessions where you'd been cut 
And it was just was you're it? in the files, but okay. I didn't get the call. Right. And so I kept getting called back, and I kept going because I wanted it. So it's like I don't think anyone should ever get that discouraged about that because, mm-hmm. you know, you're showing that you're open and available by coming back, and I think it's a good thing to show that to people right. on an energetic level. I know that sounds crunchy, but mm-hmm. on an energetic level, being, no, I'm still here. I still want to work with you guys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that was with Wayne again, yeah. right? Yeah. So I, I heard you uh, last week talking about how you know pivotal Wayne had been for you. Yeah. What is it about Wayne that, that was so impactful Well, beyond hiring you? <laughs> I love that he had such a substantial, like you can go and look at Beat Me Daddy, Eight to the bar footage of him and him in chorus line and stuff. I mean, I didn't have a person in my life who had had a dance career sort of guiding me. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Usually, sometimes choreographers that I had been around didn't have that sort of background. And just working with Bossy and who, what the, the knowledge about movement, I was so humbled that he saw something in me because he knows the history of dance he knows the history of jazz and theater and and I just love that he was like do you sing what's your story like he just cuts to the chase he's no bullshit and he was like what's your deal what do you want to do do you want me to help you do what you want to do and I was like oh okay like sure Mm -hmm. and um and did you sing no no (laughs) not at all did you start taking lessons yes Mm -hmm. almost immediately Mm -hmm. and that was yeah the first week I mean, I had, I had sung in um, little things at my dance studio and, and choir in high school, but I wasn't training my voice because I didn't see Broadway or singing as something that was going to be in my trajectory, in my path. Right. Um, yeah, because so when it, you moved here, like, were you still in the mind space of wanting to be like a concert yeah, dancer? Okay. Yeah. And then the jobs just started coming more in theater? Yeah. Okay. So, um, and those are really great jobs that you can save money and pay your rent. And so I have, you know, a little bit of sadness that I didn't, that I veered off of that path, but it's all good. You know, um, I just go with the yes. So how would you say you're, I'm always interested to hear how people's experience of working on Broadway eight times a week compared to their dream of doing it or their idea of what it would be like. Right. How was that for you? Um, I loved it. Like, I never wanted to call out. I was eating it up, to be mm-hmm. honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 17, you know, 12 to 17, 15 shows at Radio City, now that is hard, but it's a con- concentrated amount of time. So when I was consistently doing the eight shows, I think mostly just missing holidays with my folks and my family was the most impactful other than that i was like living my best life (laughs) just having a good time you know yeah and uh, what would you say during that time when you were a working dancer what was what was the biggest um lesson that you feel like that taught you like working on broadway or touring the country i think in retrospect i can say now i wish i would have accepted myself for the things I was good at and not given so much energy to the things that I wasn't great at, i.e. later singing, you know, I started training my voice much later, um, being a flat fifth, whatever, you know, all of the the things that we we put energy on what you're not. And I would have put more energy on, and I tell students today, 
revel in what you're great at and then just to the side you're getting better at these other things it doesn't have to be so I guess dramatic when you're not the best in the room Mm -hmm. it can motivate you in a way that's still positive Mm -hmm. you know what I mean yeah did I answer that yeah (laughs) totally and you you do a bit a good bit of teaching right yes I do I feel like um when I teach now because I teach ballet and I, I, which is such a, can be such a, you know, being very hard on yourself in that Uh, technique. And, um, I spend so much time now saying, don't, please do not waste any more time beating yourself up because I can literally see the blinders going up and your ears are clogging with like Mm self-hatred and nothing I'm telling you is getting through. So like, you're just like, first we have to like soothe that part of you before we're going to be able to do any actual work, you know? And I feel like that's, when I look back, you know, that's something I definitely would, would say to myself is like, you know, you're, you're training, like you're supposed to fall out of turns and you're supposed to not be able to do steps. Like that's the point. And, and to like, I feel like for me, I used to lean away from those things that I was weak at rather than just going after them to try to get better at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And, and also we have to enjoy it. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're so lucky yes. to do what we do. Yes. Two eyes, two ears, two arms, two legs that work. I know that sound, also sounds crunchy, but we're just so lucky. So to not enjoy this, the short span of a dance life is just a tragedy to me when I see these young kids. Like, it's like I can hear their little voices judging themselves. So, okay, so you you started choreographing very early and then kind of moved into this performing yeah. world. And then how did choreography come back into your life? Um, I was doing the Los Angeles Company of Wicked and the the fire and the love for it was always there and my body was hurting really badly. Um, and so I just started to cultivate, got a camera, started to m- film outdoors with friends that were in the show and I put together like a, just a three minute short of my choreography um, to have and to start putting out there to my agent and say, hey, this is something that I wanna do. Uh, my friend, who is a singer, who I still work with today, we were doing little shows at Cancer Benefits and whatever in L.A., just kind of his music or um, flipping a song on its head and, and having dancers and doing a performance. Um, so we, I was cultivating that energy before I was done dancing. And then um, I was lucky enough to have some opportunities where I choreographed and danced in the same job, which was very informative. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Was that ever um, hard for you or frustrating for you dancing in your own work? It was. I found that quite honestly as a female, you know, going behind the camera in a leotard, talking to the male director and the male, you know, producer and having them take you seriously about the shot and what you see and stuff when you're going to go in front of the camera didn't always feel right. Mm. to me mm-hmm. um, so that was really my experience because those jobs were more commercial driven jobs mm-hmm. and so uh, I found it hard for them to take me as seriously if they if I just stayed behind the camera with them right and I would imagine like having done all of that theatrical work since the, before when you were choreographing had you had you found like a new kind of story driven voice through that? Had your work shifted at all? It's still shifting. Mm. I think no matter what I'm doing, I try to find authenticity and humor and vulnerability in it, regardless of what it is. 
a little bit of, hey, thoughtfulness, like I'm thinking about these things. Do you feel me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Can, can you feel me? Um, regardless of what kind of job it is. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm still cultivating that for myself and finding where that lands and, and again, not trying to judge it too much. Yeah. What would you say is your greatest strength as a choreographer? I think that my greatest strength would be that I can motivate, especially the females that I work with, in a way that I like to tell them how beautiful they look and how great they are, um, and male dancers as well. But you know, with the, with you know, you're about to go out there in this skimpy outfit on TV or whatever, and I just love to say, hey. You guys look awesome. You look amazing. I can't wait for you to do this. I like to be a positive motivator. I think that's my my skill as a choreographer because choreography I am learning is management of people. It's so much more than steps. It's management of people. It's it's doing a lot of people's jobs <laughs> that aren't doing their job, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. And people don't even realize how much a choreographer does on, mm-hmm. for in any venue. Um, so yeah, I, again, crunchy answer, but I think that's my, I didn't have that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. There's something interesting that actually, um, I was talking about with a friend recently about this kind of glorification that happens with, um, past masters. Like I think it was maybe New York magazine or someone just wrote a story about Jerome Robbins and Mm. about that, that infamous story of how he was backing up and then fell, you know? And everyone's always saying, you know, he was absolutely horrible to work with, but he was a genius, so it didn't matter. You know, I loved it. But, and that's so interesting, like that glorification of pain and suffering that you have to go through as an artist. Like, how do you feel about that? I feel sad about that. Um, I don't think you have to be that way to make an impact, Where, whether that impact is with one person or with a million people. And I also think, you know, to go into this and do this with the thought of being recognized is also dangerous. Do you know what I mean? So it's like you're doing it because you have to. Mm -hmm. It's your life. It's a part of who you are. It's your voice. So you're doing it and doing it and trying to get better. And if if people notice it or want to be around you or give you accolades, that's just extra. I don't think you have to be totally crazy. Don't, I don't. I think genius is crazy, and I've had people that I've worked with and wanted to be around that definitely I felt that same way, but I just think we're evolving past that, I hope. Mm-hmm. Especially with, I mean, I hate, you know, with females becoming so just more inclusive environment, I'm hoping that we're moving past that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speak a little bit about what your experience has been like as a woman in the industry. It's been, I don't think, even the, la- the last job I did two weeks ago, I don't think that certain folks will, would speak to a male choreographer the way that they speak to me. I have to ask that question. And I've asked that question way before Harvey Weinstein. You know, mm-hmm. It's something that's like, wow, okay, would that be? And also just standing in my own power, not in an aggressive way, but just saying, hey, I, I don't accept that. I've definitely had very uncomfortable moments. Um, there was a time where, oh, is it 
too are you too cute for it to be your fault like things like this mm. with people in power men in power saying those things and it's just shocking in the moment and i think now i'm finding a way to not be hard going into an environment expecting that but to also know the, bar- the you know the barometer of it to say okay we're not going to do this or you know this isn't acceptable um, but i'm learning and it's it's I'm really, really interested in, um, you know, having all female teams out there. There are so many all male teams, and I just think we could mix it up a right. little bit more. Still, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, it's unfortunate that it seems to be, you know, either that you're. It's like you can't win for losing in a way because when a woman is, you know, sometimes standing in her in her power, like you said, sometimes people say oh, she's a bitch. Right. You know, and it's like, no, I mean, would you, would you feel that way if she were a man? Like if she were saying what she's saying right now and she was a man, would you feel that way? And I have to say, I, I don't think, I do think there is a layer of people not even realizing. I don't think it's all vindictive and this, mm-hmm. that, and the third. I definitely think it's, they're not even aware of their vernacular. Mm-hmm. And that's just something that we have to keep pushing and change. 20 hours, 12 dancers, anything you can imagine. Broadway Dance Lab's creation grants support the work of choreographers by providing them with free rehearsal space and a company of professional dancers. Whether they're working on a specific project or show, or just needing some time to test out ideas, BDL places no restrictions on how artists should utilize their time in the lab. It's our mission to provide a safe, artistic environment for choreographers to practice their craft and get better at what they do. To apply, please visit broadwaydancelab.org. InStep will be right back. Your career has included tons of TV, film, and commercial work. Um, and uh, I think, so you were explaining that that began for you when you were in L.A., right, in the Wicked Tour. Um, was that something that you had always, like, had your eye on, or did that, again, just kind of come come into your life? Oh, I hate to say it did. It really did. Uh, the person I was working with went on American Idol. He did a tour. We had already been working together. It was a very seamless, seamless transition. Um, Another good friend of mine was working with America's Got Talent and brought me on. Those were relationships I had in New York, you know, at 22 years old. Mm -hmm. So all of that was very seamless. I always had my eye on wanting to tell a story. Now, whether that was in a traditional musical theater setting or whatever, but like dance theater always interested me. So that was really in my soul and in my heart. And I just said, just like the dance thing, I just said yes to the commercial because that's what was, I'm not going to say no. You know what I mean? Right. An opportunity presents itself. It's okay to just jump. So I did that. Mm. Um, and what was that like doing America's Got Talent? You did four seasons of that, right? Yes, I would yes. imagine that was very fast and furious work. Yes, I learned so much about production and live television and camera work and what it takes to produce, you know, three hours of live television a day. Those producers that work all year round on that show are the hardest working people um, that I've encountered. It taught me so much about working with variety acts, lighting, projection, video. Were you overseeing every single Well, the team, the team, yes, the Mm -hmm. team that I was brought on to 
produced all of the acts on the live shows. So everything that was, you see music, lighting, content, video, FX, anything, came from a decision made by our team and a, a thought process that happens way before the live shows. Wow. So it's kind of like doing a Grammys, you know, mm -hmm. every week. Wow. Yeah, it's incredible amount of work and I'm so grateful I'm still just exercising the skills that I learned um, daily. So were you actually like choreographing routines as well? Or? Yes, I mean, some of the people that come on, you know, need assistance. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, some more than others, and uh -huh. I will tastefully say that. Okay. Do, do they request that, or are they sort of given you by the... Say that again? Like, do they request help, or are they given you by America's they are, Got Talent. They, we have meetings about how we feel like they can elevate their performance. Okay. And how that works into 15 cameras. You know, they, they script the show on beats and bars, so it could be, you know, whatever camera, the performance has to be geared towards camera because of the way that it's shot. Mm. So getting people to understand that there's not just the front of Radio City, which mm -hmm. is was crazy going back there and having the Rockettes be on the show too. Right. After being a Rockette, it was very full circle, but you know, it's not a, a flat performance. This performance is shot all 360. Mm -hmm. So that was mainly our job is to change everything and make everything happen for camera. And then what was it like doing, uh, cause it was Adam Lambert's tour that you worked yes. on, right? What was that like? The first tour we did, uh, I danced and choreographed and we've toured the world with really good friends. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. And then the second tour that I did, I was in, I, directed the show and choreographed and didn't perform in and was able to bring on my favorite lighting guy, my favorite content girl, and we really got to just play with toys and make him look great and he's an amazing singer. It was just awesome. It was awesome. It seems like you just like have no fear about it. I mean it seems oh. like I feel like that would be so overwhelming. <laughs> oh it was. Mm. It was absolutely overwhelming, but unless it's uncomfortable, I don't think you're growing. And if you don't fall on your face with a couple things, how will you know what you're capable of? Are you interested in pursuing directing? I have dabbled in associate directing and I directed uh, Adam's tour and then another project for Cruise Line. And those things, again, this is not helpful. Those things really were like kind of, hey, do you wanna do this? It wasn't me saying, hey, I'm ready to do mm -hmm this now you know i think i look at choreography as a lifelong journey that i just want to get better at and make better choices at and if that involves directing as well then cool but i just want to get better at everything uh -huh. and not announce oh hey i'm now doing this you know it's i've had the opportunities to do it recently in the last couple of years and it's been so scary mm -hmm. but really really cool it just yeah. seems like, like, is it ever challenging for you having done, I mean, that's on a huge scale and you're in charge of every component. Is it ever hard to go back to a relationship where you're just choreographing? No, I, I think I'm open to all things. I don't see myself as not being able to, you know, be someone's associate or it just has to do with the right project and the right person. And I want to learn. I would love to sit and choreograph a million things with directors and learn from them and be able to help them tell the story. You know, mm -hmm. I, I really think that not, I'm really thinking that a lot of theater and 
things are not, I don't think they're about the steps so much as supporting the story and the director. Mm -hmm. So, you know, mm -hmm. and I think that the way that theater's going, like Indecent, which is the best thing I've ever seen, mm -hmm. you know, what a cohesive piece of theater that is, movement is such an integral part, but it's not like there's ever a dance break, right. you know? And mm -hmm. I think that direction of theater is so exciting. So I would imagine that you're, you know, constantly having to think on your feet in this, in the commercial world, particularly America's Got Talent, um, you know, and, and we talked a lot at last week at the Summer Intensive about not being precious with your work. Mm. What's your relationship with that? Have you, is, was that hard for you at first? Like sort of not being able to really, in, I don't know, or, or did you ever feel like you couldn't invest fully as an artist because everything was just going to change in a second? Does that make sense? No, or? I think you have to invest and dive forward, no matter if it's version A or version D. I think you owe it to the dancers and to the project and to yourself to just keep diving forward and not hold back even if you think they're not going to like it mm. or it's not going to work on camera or you know, mm -hmm. you're going to get some sort of negative feedback. Again, it's just the training the muscle to know that no matter what, you keep putting an option out there. You have no other choice. It's sink or swim, or you won't have any fun. It'll mm. be terrible. And, you know, it was a hard lesson to learn and very, um, I'm going to do a TV show coming up soon. I have a very limited time. You know, the bottom line is I want it to go well. I want the performers to feel good. I want it to look good on camera. And of course, I want the producers to be happy. But the only way to do that is to get out of your own way and just dive um, and not expect anything. Mm -hmm. Have you ever felt the pressure to um, define your quote unquote style oh, or yeah. put yourself in a box? I think others want to do that a lot. And I get that from a marketing standpoint. But even with the class that I teach at Broadway Dance Center, you know, I called it jazz because one week it'll be theater jazz, one week it'll be contemporary jazz, one week it'll be more you know, jazz funk. I have a lot of inf different influences and I am owning that in the, my choreographic career, you know? Mm. Um, I, don't, I, I do feel pressure about that, but I think, again, we're moving away from that, hopefully. Yeah, when Crossing you, boundaries and stuff like that. Right, when you have a meeting for a job, I would, you know, do they ever say to you, so Brooke, like, what's your style like? Or what are, you know, what's your work like? And yeah. how do you answer that question? Oh my gosh, it's difficult for me every time. Um, because, you know, I see if they're not someone who's really versed in dance, I see their eyes glaze over. So I've tried to really clip that statement mm -hmm. and figure that out. But I just try to make it a conversation that I have, I draw from all of the things that I have trained in and performed in and done um i can do and i just list them off as fast as i can and hopefully their their eyes don't glaze over <laughs> and they can you know they get it if they don't then i then maybe we're not meant to work together <laughs> i right. don't know yeah. you can't you know what i mean so when we first started in step it was because we were finding it really hard to find programs like this out there programs that provided access points to becoming a choreographer. How do you get an agent? How do you get people to see your work? How does it all come together? If you're enjoying this episode, please subscribe to us on Apple iTunes. And while you're at it, you might also consider making a donation so that we can continue keeping these conversations going. To do so, head over to broadwaydancelab.org forward slash donate. 
Thank you so much. And here's to more dancing. Let's talk a little bit about your process. Um, how would you describe the way that you like to work in the studio? I'm definitely type A, so if you see me in the studio about to give you a step, I've already worked on my own quite a bit in the studio. Okay. I like to first on my own with the music, trying to push myself, and I have a wonderful husband who also is a performer, so he sees the video of what I've worked on. He's my first go-to. He's like, I think you, I've, you've, you know, I'm like, have I done this before? What do you think I'm trying to, you know, this is what I'm feeling. I'm trying, and he'll be like, very honest. It wasn't like that always. We've been together for 13 years, so he really knows, and I trust him, and he can tell me, no, I think you can do this, and very specifically what he thinks. And then I'll bring in um, one of the dancers that I work with a lot, and we will rework. I'll do another video and really watch and try to understand and see what I'm seeing and then I'll go into the, the, the job. That's usually, so I'm already on version B or C by the time I get the bodies mm-hmm. and then it takes on a whole new life and, you know, becomes what it is. And then when once you go in the room with the actual dancers, does it continue to, to change a lot once you see it on them? Always, because, you know, I would never want to physically hold a dancer back. If there's something that I can't do physically that they do, it's like, oh, wow, we have to make I, – I don't have a problem with – if it's stylized jazz, I really try to get everyone on the same page. But if it's the artist in the room, you have to be able to give them – a strong vision and the step, but then you mold it to where they shine. Cause that only makes you look better. I mean, let's be honest, you know? Right. So uh, definitely it takes on a life of its own, especially when I was in th- in process with BDL. I mean, knowing um, those bodies and those dancers, it's like, wow, okay. I They can push me in a new direction or, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I, I'm curious just from personal experience too, was there a moment where, which I mean, you've been doing this since you were so young, but I feel like when I first started to choreograph, I used to feel a lot of pressure to have the answers. Mm. You know, you feel very vulnerable when you first start in the front of the room and everybody's staring at you. And now I understand that they're just staring because they're just waiting to do whatever you want. You know, they're just there to support you. Right. But it, it can feel when you begin like they're waiting to like judge you or, you know, like waiting to sort of see what you're going to do. Was that a yes. process for you to feel comfortable with that? Yes. But then I got really comfortable with knowing who in the room with me can support their counting. Like a lot of artists really need the counts. I can hear it, but I hear something different in the music every time I hear it. So I'm like, this person is here for the folks that need counts. I'm here for, you know, so it's okay. I think now I'm very comfortable with not knowing the answer. And I think I can sense and smell when someone is really stressed out about having the answer. It's only because they want to do it right. And then again, you're navigating a personality. You're not necessarily choreographing. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I've tried to have a little bit of a barometer about that and just say, hey, okay, I'm going to, we're going to get there. It's not that deep. Let's relax or whatever. But I think stepping into the associate director, director, positions that I have, you know, I just, I was talking to a friend of mine and they were like, you know, it's okay to say that you don't have the answer. And that clicked for me. And I'm okay in saying that now. 
when when Camille Brown was on, she was saying that at the start of every process, she always tells everyone, don't ask any questions. And she's like, and the reason I'm saying that is because yeah. I won't have any answers to give Great. you. You know, like yeah, absolutely. Which is, but it is it is scary to to say that sometimes. But I think it's it's like when you're on the same page and you're not up there saying, do it for me. You know, you're mm-hmm. on the same in the same place with everyone. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Um, what choreographers that, uh, that you've worked with have really inspired you or like rubbed off on you? Hmm. I would say that I am most inspired by Jack Cole, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Pina Bausch, um, Hofesh Schechter. What's, what do you think is like the core, the core thing that, about those artists that inspires you? There's something that's so human and visceral about what they're doing. Someone who is not a dancer looks at that and have had all those feelings. And the, to be able to communicate that to an audience is everything, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I think it's that sort of emotional, athletic, visceral, stylized thing. And, you know, they have a really strong voice. You can say, wow, that, that, that looks like, but also eclectic, you know, mm-hmm. um, as far as mixing modern dance, jazz, contemporary, whatever. It, they're, a, they're a real mix, and I, I relate to that. Mm-hmm. You talked about this earlier a little bit, but I was curious to hear, you know, Josh always says that he spends 20% of his day actually making dance and 80% writing emails to try yes. to make dance. That's so right. how, do you, how do you deal with the business side of, of being a choreographer that people don't really talk about? I uh, have annoying lists all over the house that my husband does not appreciate. No, uh, there's a lot of lists that go on, and I literally hack through. I spend my morning hacking through them, emails, and just boom, 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 get them, getting them out of the way, and so that I can get to the creative part. You know, mm-hmm. not rushing, but you know, setting aside my morning time to do all of that stuff, and then also, you know, asking for help is also good <laughs> right? from whoever the team is and, and dividing and conquering and just having open communication. Like, I'm going to do all of this. What can you do and what can we get to so that we can get in the studio and get to the fun part? Where, in five years, where would you like to see your career headed? I would love to have a production company that is a female-driven production company with an in-house lighting director, set designer, writers, um, directors, choreographers, um, not because I don't want to work with males at all, but I would love to see what that, the ma- the female perspective from an all over could, could produce. Yeah, what you do know? you think it would produce? I think it would be surprising what it produced. I think it would by default tackle uh, the mothering of what a woman is. I mean, we, we mother everyone, even if we don't have a mother. Or excuse me, or we're not a mother. Mm-hmm. I think text would just change. I recently worked on a project that I was like, I'm not sure a female writer would just say it like that. I mean. I'm not hypersensitive to it. It's just literally like, are the female characters fleshed out mm-hmm. 
they're not. And I'm sad about that. Like, are we only worried about where we see our hero, hero end up? Mm-hmm. You know, is the heroine always just going to end up with a man because she should be with a man and she can't be alone? Or, you know, I mean, I think it would be a lot a lot would happen. I think it's endless what could happen simply just from having the voice being slightly not suppressed, but not given the opportunities as much. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my last question for you is just if you could give one piece of advice to young 16-year-old Brooke before you moved to New York and started this amazing journey, what would that be? It would be to not sweat the small things. It would be to, I guess it's easier to say to young choreographers out there, it's easier in that way because I'm more speaking about people who want to choreograph now. I think always, 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 if you are sitting at home looking at dance videos, turn off the computer, put on a piece of music and stand up. The amount of time that we look at dance and we make dance, I don't know if it's equal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would gather to say that we are watching and watching and watching what's out there. And someone told me once that like Twilight Lark doesn't watch other stuff and yes. doesn't watch TV. And I found that to be so awesome. Um, I think that's one thing that I would tell young choreographers. And I totally switched your question. No, I, it's okay. Um, also, don't, don't choreograph for a result or an expectation. Do it because you have to and you need to birth it and you need to do it um don't try to fit into a box if you think you want to fit in i think that that's not it i think you need to just be your own there's a great Brene brown book that talks about that and it's like just be you and all the wonderful gumbo mix that you are and move forward and um respect yourself I think Mm -hmm. that would be a big one because, you know, it's all about being validated and, you know, making something, is it right? You know, like, it's like an extension of being a dancer. Now I'm like, oh, is it good? Is it right? It's like, you know, deep down if you can do better and if it's, if you're proud of it or not. And that's really at the end of the day, the end of the day, all that matters. You can look back and say, that was, that was okay. And pat yourself on the back and go to bed, you know, it's something, a nice affirmation. um, Or I can do better at this or whatever. Um. Yeah, it's interesting because like we, as performers, we spend so much of the time trying to figure out our type, you know, and like fit into that slot or that track or, you know, and then you switch to choreographing and you have to be okay with being an individual, which can feel scary. Like, and so many artists don't get appreciated till they're dead (laughs) you know like yeah um I mean it's interesting though less seems like less so in performing art like that actually is kind of more true of like writers and visual artists and I don't know if that's just because the ones who struggle sometimes drop away actually do you ever listen to um This American Life Ira Glass oh I've heard but I haven't he has a really great uh, quote and there's like a moving image video of it on YouTube where he talks about the power of just staying with it because along the way if you like if you just stay with it everyone else will just slowly kind of fall away and it's really the the people that stick with it to the end that like make it you know and maybe perhaps a lot of great people even drop off but like that there's a power in just staying with it and he talks about that when you're young and just starting out your taste level 
is exceeding your talent level perhaps mm. or you know you haven't quite met and and that the the journey is getting to that point where they meet my favorite show business question when i run into people like what are you doing yes i'm here i'm you know with you but well what are you you know what are you working on i'm like oh i'm just quietly upstage left doing my thing and that's where i feel comfortable growing um, and learning and pushing myself and just quietly doing my thing that feels good so i'll see you upstage left in step is produced by broadway dance lab and recorded and hosted by nick kepley you can listen to this episode again access our archives and learn more about the company by visiting our website broadwaydancelab.org